Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Ronald yet? Welcome into the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com, a breaking news edition of the Diamond Vols podcast because Tennessee has made the NCAA tournament and has found out where it is going in the NCAA tournament. Uh, before we dive into all that fun stuff, we will introduce ourselves. I am Ben McKee, as always, and back on the pod, took took an episode off to, to allow Will Heflin to get in here, a, a good team player. Wes Rucker. Wes, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I, I imagine people probably still want to hear Will, but they get a different dub instead. <laughs> that That is right. And uh, I, I'm I'm just hoping that I can pronounce all my W's correctly uh, this this morning. Don't don't know if you heard the first couple of minutes. Oh, of no. The oh, no. I, I, I quite enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed I, it. I, I think it was some I, of your best work. I, I'm sure you did. I, I am sure you did. And, and Will... Will join us on the podcast uh, later this week to to have a more in depth breakdown uh, of the NCAA tournament and Tennessee's regional. So that should be fun. Hopefully, I have all of my W's uh, in store on Thursday. But uh, this this will be a shorter episode, uh, more of a, a quick reaction to t- to Tennessee's NCAA tournament uh, birth and and draw, uh, and then we will have a more in depth conversation uh, about the opponent. Uh, matchups and, and all that fun stuff because obviously it was just announced uh, about an hour ago and uh, outside of a couple of things here and there don't know much about the teams that Tennessee will be playing but that's what Thursday's podcast uh, will serve the, the purpose that it will serve and I and I also might try to uh, get out another podcast talking to to some beat writers that cover Charlotte uh, Lipscomb uh, or Clemson uh, to break down those teams more in depth if if we can find some people to do that. So uh, this one more of a reaction podcast, West, because Tennessee is in the field. They are a two seed, and as I just mentioned, they are going to Clemson. They they are going to be in the Clemson regional. Clemson is the number four national seed. Tennessee is the number two seed in the Clemson regional. Uh, the three seed is Charlotte, and Tennessee will play Charlotte first on Friday night at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPNU, and then the four seed is Lipscomb. And I was very surprised that Clemson and Lipscomb will be the first uh, game of the day at the Clemson Regional. Clemson and Lipscomb will play at 1 p.m. on ESPN Plus early in the day on Friday afternoon. I was surprised by that. Typically, it's the... The other teams playing before the host. Uh, and I was also surprised that Tennessee is going to be the one on television and Clemson is not. I, I think that speaks to the draw to Tennessee baseball uh, at, at the moment. But, Wes, there, there's no beating around the bush. It's it's going to be a tough weekend uh, for Tennessee. Yeah, it is. And I, I think they probably went with Clemson on that first game. I know sometimes 
sometimes the host team wants a little bit of a of a head start on things like that if they can they can get more rest for what could be a longer saturday and sunday so there are different factors that go into that i i think but yeah i mean i i think my thoughts on the whole thing are pretty complicated ben I, i think that once you play yourself into a situation where tennessee did where you put your fate in somebody else's hands you can't really complain too much about the result like i think they could have manage this whole thing a little better. Like, I don't think Tennessee should be going to Clemson. If I'm Clemson, I'm really not happy about that because I've won 21 of my past 22 games, and you're giving me one of the more talented rosters in the country coming to my regional. It's more unfair to Clemson than it is Tennessee, regardless of the outcome this weekend. But I think the problem is, like always, there are so many SEC teams that host regionals, and you can't send – Tennessee to any of those places. So that drastically narrows your pool of where you can send Tennessee. And then you complicate it with other factors like, well, you can't send an ACC team to Clemson either, right? Like you have to, you got to put this puzzle together somehow. Maybe they could have sent Tennessee to Indiana State and sent, um, sent Iowa down to Clemson. Maybe they could have done that, or maybe they thought that was too harsh on Iowa with the distance. I don't know why they did exactly what they did, but I do think it's not ideal for Tennessee. You certainly probably would have rather picked a different regional because even before you get to Clemson, like Charlotte's some dudes, man. Like they've beat Tennessee recently. They're good, right? Like they're ask Andrew Lindsay, ask you know some other guy. Like those guys can play. They're a good team. So this is a tough, tough regional uh, for Tennessee. But you know what? When you when you play yourself into this kind of position, Ben, you're not going to be playing at home. And you're going to get a tough regional. And it's maybe a little tougher than, than a lot of us thought it might be. But regardless, it, it was still going to be tough. It is. And it's tougher than we all thought because Tennessee isn't as high of a two seed as we thought Tennessee was was going to be. Uh, obviously, the, the lower seeded two seeds are, are the ones that get to go to Indiana State and, and, and the lower national hosts, though uh, those kind of. 11 through 16 national seeds. Those are where the, the top two seeds begin. And you get down to Clemson being the, the number four overall national seed. Theoretically, that means Tennessee is not as high of a two seed as we thought that they're going to be. And, and I know for a fact that the committee did not like Tennessee's road record yeah. and they were not impressed by the non-conference wins, the lack of non-conference wins, which is a very fair point. Who is the non-conference team that Tennessee beat, that is impressive. Tennessee's got to schedule a better non-conference. I know that different factors go into your schedule and who you can get, when you can get them, and all those things. I know it's not always as easy as, hey, just play people. Like Sometimes things have to cycle up correctly. But when we all looked at Tennessee's schedule this year, Ben, I think we all saw, you know, that first weekend's not bad. Um, But Gonzaga, that was a huge drop-off. You know, there, there just weren't a lot of, you know, BC was a good team, and that was a really fun game. But, you know, you're so close to the ACC. You're so close to some of these other leagues. You ought to be able to schedule a little better non-conference. And I think that's something, just to be honest, I think that's something they're going to have to look at in the offseason when they do some scheduling stuff because you get yourself in this position where – you know, and the SEC is going to get tougher in the coming years with your when you add Texas and Oklahoma and these other things. Like, you're going to have to beef up that portion of the schedule a little bit. I think. I disagree. I think the really? scheduling is just fine because you play 
in the SEC. I, I think that's but, but, why. You but you just said to, non-conference. Wins. I, that's why I think that you don't need to, to schedule super tough outside because I, I do think like if you sit there and you beat Arizona, you beat Grand Canyon, you you beat Boston College, like you're, you're fine, and and that's not necessarily a talking point. The bigger issue was the road record. I mm-hmm. I, I just kind of think the the lack of non-conference wins was the cherry on top. It wasn't necessarily a deciding factor, but maybe it was a comment mentioned here or there because Tennessee still has, last I checked, I believe it's number they're number 20 in RPI. Like You don't have to, to schedule some strenuous non-conference schedule because you play in the SEC, especially with Texas and Oklahoma coming in the league. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk over the weekend about ten or uh, the SEC uh, receiving eight hosts and and, and kind of how that's unprecedented. The SEC should have that many hosts when the, the numbers say that it should because it's the SEC and it's by far the most talented, treacherous conference in the land. Like you, you should get a an extra gold star next to your name and added benefits for playing in the SEC. So I, I kind of think Tennessee's non-conference schedule w- was fine because if if you do beat Arizona, who's an NCAA tournament team, if you beat Grand Canyon, who I believe is an NCAA tournament team, if you beat Boston College, who's an NCAA tournament team, then then that's not something that anybody can say. I just think there should be a couple of more challenging midweeks thrown in there is what I'm saying. I, I think that if – Plus, if you there are years where the SEC, no matter how good you are, you know if you're if you're if you're not elite like the elite of the elite, there's going to be years where it kind of chews you up and spits you out. Look at a couple of those teams this year, you know that are firing coaches and stuff. Like that's not that close away from being pretty decent baseball teams, right? Like you're pretty close. And if you couple that, if you have one of those years, but you have a couple of really nice non-conference wins. You have a chance to sway the committee. You have a chance to to do some things there. I, I just there there. I understand why uh, most of the in season like midweek games are what they are. I know why they're scheduled. They're designed to get young guys work. They're designed to get to try some new things. They're desi- they're designed for those purposes. And it's not like some sort of a huge criticism. Like I think you're doing all of this wrong. And no, I, I just think. It needs to go a step up because there are so many possible matchups that aren't that far from Knoxville that you could have a couple of fun games in there that I I don't see any downsides to playing them. I, I see only benefits to playing them. But it's not like the bottom line was the road record, which we all know, which they talked about all year, that they didn't like talking about it and they were so close to being better on the road. Well, they weren't, right? The record was what it was. And you, you go down to Hoover and play an a and team that ends up going to the finals, right? Like an A&M team that was down 5-4 in the eighth in the championship game against Vanderbilt, a good baseball team that finally got healthy late in the year and then was able to be the team people thought it was going to be all year. But you lost that game. You get one hit in that game. And you're like, oh well, maybe maybe they're not good on the road again. And here you are, you're 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 a two seed, and not even one of the highest two seeds. So this is what you've been given. So you got to go play it now. Yeah, I I just think that when you're in the, when you're in the SEC, there there doesn't need to be a, a huge emphasis uh, on playing a, a strong non-conference or maybe even an average non-conference schedule I, I think you need to have a couple of games on there that would look good on the resume like Tennessee had this year and uh, take care of business and it's not an issue because yeah the non-conference schedule wasn't 
a juggernaut or anything, but Tennessee still ended up 23rd in strength of schedule and 20th in RPI, despite not having the the strongest non-conference schedule. And Gonzaga probably ended up being way worse than than Tennessee anticipated. That, that's a program that has been solid these last couple of years. Uh, and then I spouted off the other teams that if Tennessee beats early in the year, then then maybe it's a, a, a different conversation. I, I just, again, I play so much emphasis on being in the SEC and, and how much it beats you up that you, you don't need to go play a, a strenuous non-conference schedule, in my opinion. But at, at the end of the day... Yeah, I don't it, think it strenuous. Was, I think just a tick up. At the end of the day, the road record is what did them in. And I, I don't really have a problem with where the NCAA put Tennessee, uh, to be quite honest. I, I think this is kind of deserving for a team that was very, very inconsistent for most of the season uh, and a team that really struggled on the road. This is what happens when we when you don't handle uh, your business. And I also – I do believe and am willing to not just say that I believe it, but I, I think it's a fact that the NCAA selection committee – looked at Tennessee's no-show performance in Hoover as well. I mean, you're playing in Hoover for the right to host a regional, and you no-show. I, I think that factored in as well. So uh, you handle your business away from Lindsey Nelson Stadium, and, and this isn't as big of a, a conversation. And it's also why I don't have a huge problem with Tennessee landing in Clemson. And a lot of it is is very much based off of geography. They they do their best, at least they say they do their best to to keep teams close to home. Uh they they consider that to be an advantage for teams whereas like North Carolina, they're the 2 seed and going out to to Indiana State, they they have to travel further than Tennessee. Tennessee's going 3 hours down the road. <laughs> and they they can travel down there a, a day later than they probably would have if they're able to make it out of this regional. It, it'll it won't be a, a super fast turnaround uh, going to wherever they go next. It, they'll they'll be able to get home rather quickly and and maybe get a little more rest. So that is an advantage. But the teams in the regional definitely uh, appear pretty strong on paper. But I'm my the point that I'm getting to is. The, the person who got the middle finger in this situation, and you said it, Wes, I think it's Clemson. Yes. How, how yeah. do you get the number four overall national seed? And, oh, by the way, oh, wait, let me restart. Congratulations. Here's the number four overall national seed. Oh, by the way, here comes by far the most talented two seed in the entire bracket and a two seed that has more natural talent than just about anybody in the country. Here you go. Congratulations. Like Clemson's the one that should be pissed and, and they're the ones that got the middle finger. Yeah, they did. And 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 honestly, they got a Charlotte team that's that's been a really good program for several years now, too, going there. So so that that's it, you could argue and we could split hairs. And I think a lot of people would split hairs over whether it's fair or unfair that Tennessee got sent to Clemson. What I think should universally be considered unfair is that Clemson has to host Tennessee. Like that, that's not, if I'm Clemson, which by the way, I think has won 21 of its past 22 games overall, which I mean, they're, they're crazy hot right now. And uh, by the way, here's your reward. A team that, you know, was the best team in the country all of last year. Uh, a team that is near the top of the nation in home runs and ERA and every other pitching category and has some few first-round draft picks. So here's that team coming to your park. So congratulations. Hell of a year, Clemson. I, I mean, it, it's 
no matter who you play in this thing, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get squeezed because there's, there's good teams and that's what it should be because you're playing for a national championship. But if I'm Clemson and I've done all this work to get like a number four overall seed, I'm, I'm going to say all the right things, you know, publicly, but because I don't want to give anything away, but I'm behind the scenes. I'm a little bit pissed about this. Yeah, I am too. Uh, and kind of the other conversation for Tennessee is that if it can make it out of the Clemson regional, it will be paired with the Auburn regional. Auburn is the number 13 national seed and they are hosting uh, and they are hosting Sanford, Penn, and I'm blanking. Is it on Southern the Miss? Maybe the other one. Yes, it is Southern Miss, who had a very nice season. Um, so they are hosting Southern Miss, Sanford, and Penn in that order. Auburn will open against four seed Penn, and then two seed Southern Miss and three seed Sanford will play one another. If it is Auburn, it is. If it is chalk that comes out of that regional, and Tennessee has to travel to Auburn for a super regional. Nothing against Auburn. I think they're a really good baseball team, and and they're playing great baseball at, at the right time. Really they, good coach. Been, really good coach. They, they've been real hot of late as well. But like, you'd rather go to Auburn than than Florida or LSU or Wake Forest. Like, yeah, you, you're having to deal with the number four national seed right now. But if you would have gone to Indiana State and and been with that number sixteen host then you would have fed in to Wake Forest or LSU or or Florida. And, again, Auburn's a, a good team. They, they've been fun to watch this second half of the season. They, they've been on fire, not saying that it's going to be easy at all, but you would much rather go and try and deal with Auburn in Auburn than, than try to deal with LSU or, or Florida or Wake Forest. Probably, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's no question about that. And, and again, it, it's – you the old, one of the oldest sayings in sports and in life, right? You got to give to get, and so if you're if you're giving away something here, you might be getting something here in return. At the end of the day, it comes down to the way Tennessee performs. You know, will Tennessee hit the ball? Will if they get another one of these kind of cement mixing, you know, average bang average lefties who are throwing stuff at them? Like, are are they gonna? Are they going to be able to respond to that because their kryptonite is still that lefty who can spot the first pitch fastball and then make them work for the rest of the at bat? And there's just little things because I think they're going to pitch well. Like I don't, I, I'm not, I, I don't want to take anything for granted because that's an offensive ballpark at Clemson and, and it's there's some good hitting teams in that regional. I don't want to take anything for granted there. The ball flies out of the – although it's a little cooler than usual this time of year, at least right now it is, so maybe the ball doesn't fly out quite as much as it usually does. But bottom line is I'm not worried about Tennessee's pitching, and I don't think Tennessee too much is either. I think it's which offense is going to show up and are they going to are they going to hit the ball like they've been hitting it for, for most of the past you know, four or five weeks or are they going to do what they've done – in their worst performances throughout the season at times. So so that's, to me, what it comes down to. Is is Tennessee going to hit the ball? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, I think, and I said this going into the SEC tournament, as, as long as the offense doesn't go ice cold and the defense doesn't pee down its leg, then 
then Tennessee is going to be perfectly fine because I do have a lot of trust in the pitching staff. I mean, the pitching staff is is not to blame for the no-show in Hoover. Seth Halverson was really good, especially given the, the weather conditions that he had mm-hmm. to pitch in. Camden Sewell was good as well. Uh, A.J. Russell, Xander Seacrest wrapping that game up and keeping Tennessee within reach, only allowing uh, A&M to score three runs. And, and we saw the run that A&M went on <laughs> the rest of the week. I mean, they went on to play in, in the title game on Sunday. So they, they kept a, a good A&M offense at bay. The the pitching was not the issue. And, like, it's baseball, right? Like, you always have to worry about Chase Burns having a clunker. Uh, and the reason I say Chase Burns is is not to call him out because he's the pitcher with the most recent clunker. Like, coming into that game against South Carolina, like, yeah, I would have kept Chase Dolander in the game, but you, you kind of understand giving the ball to Chase freaking Burns, is, yeah. especially with how Burns has looked the last month, and he, he just didn't have it that day. So, I mean, that, that's an element of baseball you kind of have to worry about, uh, especially in the postseason because you need all your guys clicking at the right time. But just generally speaking – I would be very surprised if if the pitching doesn't show up. I, I would be very very surprised, yeah. and it's 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 going to be key uh, because, like you said, Wes, that that Clemson ballpark is is small. There, there are going to be a lot of home runs hit. Uh, I I would imagine Tennessee will will be capable of hitting home runs in, in that park as as long as they're not ice cold. Uh, Charlotte can can really thump it. Clemson can obviously really thump it. And look, Lipscomb's a good team now for for a mid major. They are a very good team. Well, I remember early in the season, you and I talking uh, about kind of how we were surprised that they they didn't have more of a fight to them when they lost that midweek game uh, in Knoxville while we were on our way to Orlando for the NCAA tournament. Yep. And, and I want to say that Lipscomb beat Louisville, beat Vanderbilt. I, I believe I remember seeing that uh, at some point. So. Uh, that that'll be a tough game for for Clemson as well. Clemson should win, but it, it'll still be a, a tough opening game against a a mid major. So it's a small park. I'm fascinated to see how Tennessee's pitching translates because we have seen Tennessee's pitching get hurt because it's pitching in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. You you have this plus velocity stuff on the mound. The all, all these great pitchers and and pitches and and it's power pitching. But boy, you put a good swing on that ball in a small park, and it it changes the trajectory of a baseball game. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. Go go look at Tennessee losing to to Notre Dame with Chase Burns on on the mound last season. Chase Burns was cruising, looked really really good, and Notre Dame touched him up. And like that one, I think it was the two run shot uh, into the bullpen. Like that was a Lindsey Nelson Stadium special. Yeah, that was. So it was. That, it was that's it was a, a concern. And, it was a poke. Yes, it was a poke. Uh, so that that that's a concern pitching in a small park. But just generally speaking, I, I Clemson's going to be tough to knock off. Even Charlotte will be tough on Friday night. Um, as long as the the fielding doesn't pee down its leg and the offense doesn't go ice cold, I'd like to think that Tennessee will be fine if if the pitching lives up to the hype. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what the sort of mentality and sort of approach that that Tennessee has like I want to see just a sort of you know how how engaged are they how are are they loose are they tight or are they you know cuz I mean th- this is what you play for right you play to position yourself to get to this time of the year well now this time of the year it's here so you know are are they going to be pressing or are they going to be calm are they going to be relaxed are they going to be too relaxed i mean I, th- these are the things that because so much of these things like there are so many things in baseball that you can't control that the things that you can control have to be controlled. 
Like the things that the the list of things that a coach can't control and a player can't control uh, about the game are like a, it, it's so much longer than the list of things you can control. But the things you can control have to be controlled. They're non-negotiable. So how will Tennessee handle those things? You know, make the simple plays that are that are there to be made. You know, don't don't do don't you don't have to do spectacular. Just kind of do ordinary on a consistent basis. Do those things that you know you can do. And then the other stuff will sprinkle itself in there. And then if it gets down to who's the most talented team in this regional, I, I think Tennessee wins it. But if it if it comes down to other things, then or you just get some bad luck, well then it's not going to be you. But you know Tennessee, it's not like last year where Tennessee could have not been at its best or near its best, and in most weekends still would have been enough. You know, the, the, it's not to that level. Now it's like, a, okay, you're good. We we know you're good. We've seen you be good. But you you can't you, you can't cut corners. You you can't take your eye off the ball. You know, you can't have you know, like that three or four inning offensive lull where you just don't do anything and don't get anything started, don't get anybody on base. You know, you, you can't do those kind of things. Don't don't boot a ball right to you at second base, you know, don't don't you start doing that stuff and you're gonna lose. You know, the the, the it's not so much now that they, they can overcome that stuff pretty easily. Now they gotta they gotta be on their P's and Q's now. But if they do that, I think they're okay. I do too. Uh, my my biggest issue with this team is facing adversity. I, I don't think they handle adversity well. I I, I kind of think they tuck their tail and, and run a, a, a little bit, and it's not necessarily because I think they're they're soft or, or something along those lines. I, I just think it's a inexperienced bunch to a certain extent, and, and I think it's it's really hard to establish the leadership necessary, like you had the last two years when. The roster is essentially a, a puzzle with a bunch of puzzle pieces coming from a bunch of different places. I, I think it's hard to to really have the leadership necessary to to battle through those adversities in the postseason the way you did the last two years when when the roster construction is what it is. And and I'm not blaming Tony Vitello for for constructing the roster the way that it is. It's still very very talented and and good enough to go win a national championship. But the one thing that this team is lacking is 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 the leadership needed the the leadership that is requisite enough to to break um, and go win a, a, a natty. It's it's just not where it needs to be. That that's my biggest concern with this team truly heading into the postseason. Because look what they did against Texas A and M. Not great weather conditions. Things weren't necessarily going well offensively and they could not snap out of it. So that that's my biggest concern uh, going into the NCAA tournament. We still have a couple of things that we need to mention uh, before we get out of here because there are quite the list of storylines surrounding this Clemson regional that Tennessee will play in, and we will touch on those after this quick timeout. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast Welcome back into the Diamond Vols podcast on govols247.com, a breaking news edition of sorts. He is Wes Rucker. I am Ben McKee. And before we continue our conversation, would love it if you go like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. Wes, I mentioned the storylines. Andrew Lindsay transfers from Charlotte, takes a year off from baseball, and boom, in his one and only Tennessee season, goes from the bullpen to the starting rotation is not just in the starting rotation, is the game one starter on the weekend, and he will be starting game one against his old team in the NCAA tournament. And it's not just Andrew Lindsay facing his old team. Charlotte also has Austin Knight, who was at Tennessee a couple of years ago and transferred, from my understanding, mostly because there was just a logjam of talented infielders in front of him. I mean, just go look at the last two drafts that, that Tennessee has produced infielders in, and, and you can kind of see why Austin Knight transferred. Uh, but he is he's had a nice career at Charlotte. He was an All-American last season, if I remember correctly. He had a ton of home runs. His numbers are down slightly. I believe he's hitting around 250 with 11 homers uh, at this point, but still quite the storyline to, <laughs> to see Andrew Lindsey and uh, and Austin Knight link back up. And, and then, you know, Tennessee and Clemson haven't had any run-ins on the baseball field, but it is funny to see Tennessee and Clemson link back up again in some form or capacity after Dabo Sweeney was making his burger-flipping comments at the end of football season. And, and, and then Joe Milton and Tennessee football obviously handled business against Clemson uh, in the Orange Bowl. Uh, so that's a funny storyline just in general. And then, hey, Lipscomb, right down the – down the road everybody thought that they were going to go to Vanderbilt's regional uh but hey they're in the Clemson regional and and I think they're going to be a a pesky out for for Clemson in that opening game for the Tigers yeah and there's another one too uh with with with, uh there's another connection there with with Charlotte uh Cam Fisher who plays for Charlotte uh is a sophomore from Hardin Valley Academy right here in Knoxville Tennessee has 30 home runs this season 30 home runs this season. His, his his line, I had to look these up to make sure these numbers are are accurate. Uh, he is batting 352. He is slugging 
831. His OBP is 509. So his OPS in 60 starts this season, his OPS is 1.340. He has 30 homers, 64 RBIs, 12 doubles. So he's got, you know, basically almost an extra base hit per game. Uh, and he's a sophomore from Knoxville, Tennessee. And, um, yeah, he's also got eight stolen bases this season. So, I mean, Charlotte is a team that that, that doesn't seem to pitch it great. They're okay, um, but they, they can hit it. They can really, really hit it. And so uh, that that makes a very, very fun matchup with, you know, Lindsey, you, you, you think he's got to know a lot of these guys, right? I mean, at least – I mean, I know there's a it's a transient sport. Sport baseball is so these things might surprise you like how many guys are different year to year but there's got to be a fair amount of guys on that team he knows and they got to know him right i mean he was a really good pitcher for them he knows you know who does that favor is that favor Lindsay because he knows the batters does that favor the batters because they know him i mean there are so many fun things i mean there's some guys with tennessee connections on that charlotte roster uh, i mean obviously tennessee and clemson some of those guys will know each other too i mean it, it, there, there's there's a lot of familiarity here really in, in, in this in this regional for, for teams that you know maybe Tennessee and Lips can play every year but but you know th- there's a lot of familiarity still here between these four teams like th- th- this is this is what makes it fun right and and sometimes in baseball you don't get the most fair regionals because geography comes into play as much as anything does with some of these things so sometimes like you'll get teams that are closer together but that makes some regions kind of tougher than others and weaker than others like some of the northeast regionals occasionally aren't the aren't the best sometimes um but that means you get some of these ones here like in this whole tennessee you know uh north carolina south carolina georgia auburn mississippi this kind of whole belt here like you get a lot of teams that know each other really well and recruit the same guys the coaches know each other the players know each other uh, they played together in high school, played together or against each other growing up in the summer circuit. Like there's a these guys know each other and it's it's intense, it's fun. I mean, this this is a it, if nothing else, it's a fun grouping of teams and it, it looks like it's a fun fun matchup. I mean, just starting right off the bat with Tennessee Charlotte, I mean, what a fun game that is. So I, I think I mean it, it's it's kind of you didn't really want to put yourself in this position if you're Tennessee, but now that you're in it, it's it's for us on the outside, it's kind of fun to watch. It definitely is. I mean, to the point to where you and I are going to get down there early enough on Friday to to check out Clemson and Lipscomb, the the first game, uh, because I, I think that's going to be very interesting. And and to be quite honest with you, I, I don't know a ton of Clemson right now, other, other than the fact that I know they've had a good season and they had a strong uh, close uh, to to the season. They, they've been playing great baseball the last two months or so. Uh, that, that's about all I know about them, and that their their park is small, um, but. Uh, like I said earlier in the pod, we'll, we'll have a more extensive breakdown uh, for you at the end of the week. But Charlotte, that that is an interesting matchup. Uh, we we talked about all the connections, but they were they were pretty much a average to to above average team uh, for for most of the season. I mean, they finished middle of the road in Conference USA during the regular season, and the only reason they're in the NCAA tournament is because they won the CUSA tournament and got the the automatic bid. Um, so they, they go 34 and 26, 17 and 12 in, in Conference USA. This is a game that, that Tennessee should win. I mean, there, there's no other simple way to put it. This is a game that Tennessee should win, but we know baseball doesn't work that simply. Uh, and it's not football to, to where you can almost write it in Sharpie that, 
uh, a team that that has this much more talent on paper than the other team is definitely going to win. It's quirky, and, and I'm I'm very curious to see what Virginia Tech does on the mound. Uh, their their game one starter all season Wyatt Hudpel. I, I apologize to Wyatt if I mispronounced. His I think name. it's I think it's Hude Paul. I think good it sounds sounds good well, e- either one works for me we'll, we'll try to get a correct pronunciation uh for for the next podcast but he's a righty he's uh, pitched against tennessee one. before he went to kentucky, he from kentucky yeah he, he absolutely has i remember the name uh, but he was six and six with a four 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 era and 16 starts this season uh, and he did have 118 strikeouts in 97 innings uh, only 26 walks. I, I think what's interesting about him uh, is that he did not do well in his one outing uh, against a a Power 5 team uh, this season. Uh, against Virginia Tech, he allowed 10 hits and gave up nine earned runs. Nine earned runs on 10 hits in 3.1 innings against Virginia Tech. Now, that was early March. I imagine weather conditions, pitching in, in North Virginia or wherever – uh, Virginia is Virginia Tech is located. Uh, I I imagine the weather conditions in Virginia in the month of, of March are not fun to to pitch in. I just looked it up to make sure it's it's Hudipole. There we go, Hudipole. Thank you. I'm I'm big on pronouncing names correctly, even yeah. though I I mispronounce the ones that are tough. Well, I mean, you know, none of us are are really perfect here. I'm trying to look up because I know he pitched against Tennessee. I'm looking up how he did. He pitched against Tennessee. Uh, twice in that series uh, in Lexington last season. Uh, he, let's see, he had, let's see, two innings where he was really good against Tennessee, um, except for had a, he had a couple walks but didn't allow any hits or earn runs. Then he got he pitched again in the finale and got touched up a little bit there in the finale. So he, he was a reliever last year. He also pitched against Tennessee out of the bullpen in the SEC tournament last year. So he pitched against Tennessee three times last season, albeit out of the pen, but um, and two of the three did not go very well. So Tennessee does know this cat. He does throw right-handed, which is great news for Tennessee. Um, but the bad news is that they have a lefty in Colin Kramer, not Cosmo Kramer, but Colin yeah. Kramer, uh, who has a 6-4 and four record with a 4-5-5 ERA. And as Wes pointed out, Tennessee has struggled against left-handed pitching this season. And Kramer, again, not Cosmo Kramer, but Colin Kramer, has been effective in three outings in midweek games this season against Power 5 opponents. So the the Kramer, probably because his last name is Kramer, uh, has been much better uh, against Power 5 competition. Then, granted, they were midweek games, short outings. But still, I, I wonder... If if Charlotte throws the the lefty and look, we don't have near the the numbers and analytics and, and we haven't even watched Charlotte all season. We, we they know their guys way more than us, obviously. Sure. But but from the outside looking in West and, and just the the vague information that we have and, and we know just looking at the numbers and stuff. I I if I'm Charlotte, I'm the really lefty. considering throwing the lefty your best lefty. Whoever, I, I don't care who it is. I mean, it's like it, it, to the point that we knew, like during the rain delay, because Tennessee was like, oh, okay, well, the rain delay is finally going to force this AM lefty off the mound. It's like, like I said before it started raining, and I was like, well, whoever the next best lefty is, he's coming in. I don't know who he is. I'm going to look down their roster. The next best lefty is the guy that's going in. I can guarantee. And after the game, uh, talking to, to, to Schlossnagel, he, he said, yeah, we were going to go with our next best lefty. He goes, he, he had a great quote. I mean, he said, 
he goes, listen, he goes, he goes, I think Tennessee's an Omaha team. He goes, I think if Tennessee executes the way that they know they can execute, that's an Omaha team. But we all knew we can all look at numbers like everybody else can. Their power numbers, especially against lefties, are not good. He said even Tennessee's right-handed batters have significantly better power numbers against righties than they do against lefties. Like Tennessee as a team with the power just does not have a lot of power against lefties. And sometimes they don't have even batting average. They don't even do a little slappy slappy against lefties sometimes. It's just it's just bad. So that if I'm Charlotte and I'm preparing for a long weekend and I think there's a chance that I could, you know, I want to I want to game this out, I want to play for a while. I might throw what do you have to lose if you're Charlotte and you throw your best lefty out there in the opener because if you lose Tennessee, well then you're playing an elimination game with whoever your ace is, you know, who to or whoever it is for your first elimination game and then work your way through it that way. Whereas if you if you throw your first if your if your ace is a righty, you throw him against Tennessee and he gets beat up in the opener and you lose, well then you're down your ace for the weekend and you're one game away from losing. So I, I know it's a little 3D chessy, but I, I, I think if I'm Charlotte, I'm telling you, whoever it is, I'm, who's your best lefty? Throw him out there. And if Tennessee hits him, so be it, and you adjust. But this team has an absolute kryptonite, and until it solves it, I, I, if I'm an opponent, I go to it every time. Yeah, I, I agree uh, for, for sure. And, and I, I think the, the whole lefty thing's being a, a little bit blown out of proportion. Like th- these guys at this age, not everybody's going to hit lefties like major league guys do. Like I, it's a, it's more of a common issue than I think people realize or, or necessarily giving credence to. Like Tennessee isn't the only team in, in the SEC or in the country sure, that that sure. struggles uh, against lefties. But and I'm not necessarily talking to you. I see it on social media, and that's more so what I'm referencing. Is like everybody makes it out to to be that oh Tennessee just they can't hit lefties. Well. Kids this age tend to struggle to hit lefties because you don't see as much of it growing up as you would think. Maybe now it's more prominent nowadays, but I remember growing up like it was, I mean, it wasn't super rare, but it wasn't super common to see a lefty on the mound. Like you don't get a ton of practice hitting against lefties. And I do think that contributes. But I mean, I agree. If I'm Charlotte, I'm throwing the lefty. Adam, I mean, I don't, I don't even think there's any doubt to it, and uh, and really because, like you said, if you lose, then you have your season on the line on Saturday, and you're throwing your supposed ace and in, in game one starter, like, and that that's a good predicament uh, to be in. And on the flip side of that, Wes, we we can have a more extensive conversation later in the week about it. But I'm not touching Tennessee's rotation. Yeah, I'm not if, either. I'm not I'm, either. I'm throwing Lindsey on Friday night. No, no need to get cute. Yep. And it's not even the whole Lindsay versus Charlotte rematch thing. I don't care who you're playing on Friday night. I'm throwing Lindsay. He's by far the, the pitcher that I trust the most right now. I'm going Lindsay game one. And if you win and like maybe Lipscomb upsets Clemson, then maybe I consider throwing Drew Beam in in that game two uh, against the Lipscomb. That that might be the only way I, I tinker with things. But if if it's Clemson on, on game two, if it's chalk and you're playing Clemson, then I'm throwing Dolander, and then I'm I'm throwing I'm throwing Beam in that game three if if need be. I'm not touching the rotation. Yeah, I'm not either. Um, because I, I I think that you're always on a fine line here in baseball between and a lot of sports too in terms of. How much do we adjust to what other teams are doing with matchups versus how much 
Is it just, this is who we are. Here's our lineup. Here's our order. Let's go do it. Like, it's not like you want to be so arrogant that you think that, that you don't have to make any adjustments ever, but I think you run a risk if you're trying to play matchups. Like if you're, if you're, if you're throwing a, a, the, the, the starting rotation a little bit differently this time of year, you can almost send a message to your guys like, well, I'm not sure that you're the guy I want to beat these guys. And, and, and while you would think that a player could, could be mature about that and understand that, sometimes it, it, it bothers them a little bit. It also gets them out of their normal habits, their normal routines. And, and that, to me, was the biggest problem on, on its face between – and this – I mean, I, I don't want to go into it too in-depth, but like the whole – the last two national champions have, got, have won nothing in the SEC tournament, right? You had you had um, you had state a couple years ago lose, and then last year Ole Miss got run ruled twice and sent home, and then came back and won a national championship. That that would be, I would think, as a coach, you would not want your guys getting out of a routine. So if you're not playing that whole weekend before, you're having to do inter squad games, you're doing weird stuff. I would hate as a guy who played baseball, as a guy who's been around baseball for most of my life to one extent or another. You you like routines, and when you're out of a routine, weird things can happen. But the last two years, the teams that have gotten that weekend off, basically, you know, they came out and they won national championships the next couple, you know, next few weeks. So, so I don't know exactly how how to weight that because on its surface, I would think you would rather be playing games. You would rather have guys because you're not really worried about young kids being too worn down. Maybe a couple guys who are injured, they get off their feet a little bit. That's good. But other guys, man, you want to go out there and play. You want to go out there and play. You want to stay in rhythm. And and I don't know. I mean, this will be the longest they've gone without a game since, what, February, January? I mean, you know, it's been a while since they've had this much time without a game, a real game. So how do they respond to that? And and if you're throwing off your rhythm even more, by then you're changing up the pitching rotation or you're making some drastic change in the lineup, that's a lot of change without a lot of practice to do it. So – I don't know how I feel about that. I think basically I, I would say unless something weird happens, I'm saying, you know what, guys, no matter what it is, it's it's going Lindsey one, it's going Dolander two, and if there's a game three, it's beam, and then on down the line. And then that's just that's just how it is. And whoever it is, I trust you guys to go out there and get the job done. You're my guy. This is the order. This is my team. Let's go play ball. That's what I would want to do in my head, like on the surface or, or, you know, that that's, I guess what my heart says more than anything. My head says, eh, maybe you play matchups, you know, but I think you've said this before several times, Ben, sometimes when Vitell gets himself in trouble, it's the overthinking stuff and overanalyzing stuff. And maybe just go out there and here's my guys, let's go play ball. Let's, let's simplify it and let's go, let's go win an Addy. It'll be a fun weekend. Uh, it, it's not the easiest draw in the world for Tennessee, but, I, I also think that that's getting blown out of proportion a little bit. It's the NCAA tournament. It's it's not going to be easy, especially when you're not one of the teams hosting. And I, I know there's always this talk about good draw, bad draw, good draw, bad draw. It's the NCAA tournament. Every team is in this tournament for one reason or another. I like that. That's the reality of the situation at the end of the day. And it's it's not supposed to be easy. You're competing for a chance to go to Omaha. You're competing for a national championship. This is supposed to be the, the team's 64 best teams. And I know the automatic qualifiers can 
can cannot actually make it the the sixty four best teams. I mean, we have eighteen and forty whatever. Who is it? Tulane? Or not? Is it Tulane? Uh, the Tulane that got in with like the nineteen and forty record or whatever. Yeah. 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 Like what? What are we doing? <laughs> I mean, they they got on a heater in the conference tournament, right? They uh, and I tell you, LSU's living right. LSU's LSU's uh, regional does not look too shabby. Right. I mean, like naturally, you're gonna have. Um, you're going to have teams in in different parts of the bracket that have easier draws than, than others. I mean, just naturally, that's going to happen. But I mean, at at the end of the day, I mean, you, we said that about have... we said that about Tennessee and Notre Dame, didn't we? That's what we all said. Yes. That's what we all said. That that is that is correct. At the end of the day, end of the day, you're going to have to go through good baseball teams and a couple of great teams. Uh, in order to to get to to where you want to be, and, and that's Omaha, and, and Tennessee certainly uh, has the ability uh, to to do so. I've been looking up to try and make sure that Tulane was was the team that that got in uh, over because they knocked off Coastal Carolina. Yeah, yeah, because T- Tulane was the team that was like it was something it was like ni- nineteen and forty or something, yes. and then and then went it's on a heater crazy. and won the tournament. Yes. So, like, obviously, if if you draw Tulane, I don't even know where Tulane ended up being in the bracket, but whatever team got Tulane in their regional got lucky because that's, a, that's an automatic W more more likely than not. So, uh, it's a tough region, regional for Tennessee, but at the end of the day, it's the NCAA tournament, and that's how it's supposed to be. And I've talked to a couple of people over on campus who who are fine with the draw and, and kind of like it. It's a small park. And and at the end of the day, Tennessee's been its own worst enemy all year long. If if Tennessee comes out and and just plays baseball and and plays to its ability, like Tennessee will make it to Omaha. T- Tennessee, talent wise, is better than Clemson, better than Charlotte, better than Lipscomb. They're better than Southern Miss. They're better than Auburn. If if they go out there and and play their baseball and and don't beat themselves, like Tennessee will be in Omaha. Now the problem is. You don't trust this team to be consistent. At least I don't. I've voiced that over the last couple of weeks. I don't know what to expect this weekend. Uh, I, I don't really trust this team because of the inconsistencies, because of the whole adversity thing that I brought up earlier. Uh, but there, there's no doubting the talent on this team, and I, I'm very excited to see uh, if, if they can make a run um, because it, it would be a fascinating one to watch trying to go through Clemson Charlotte, Auburn, and maybe Southern Miss. That Southern Miss team is good. Don't don't discount them. That that could be one that upsets Auburn. I, I would not be surprised at all if if Southern Miss upsets Auburn. The, this is the last season of of their coach. He he's retiring after this season after being there forever and establishing one of the the best baseball programs in the country. There's going to be a little extra motivation to get it done for their ball coach. I, I could see Southern Miss upsetting. Auburn, but it'll be a fun weekend. I'm excited to get down there and, and get things going uh, along with Wes. And like I said earlier, we will be joined by our own crafty lefty. Hell yeah. Later in the week on the podcast, Mr. Will Heflin uh, will rejoin us here on the pod. He was terrific uh, breaking down Tennessee's SEC tournament loss uh, last week with me and certainly we appreciated his time and am excited to get him back on the pod. So, Wes, it's uh, one of the best times of the year. We appreciate your thoughts and, and your time on this Monday afternoon. Happy to do it, man. Happy to do it. Happy Memorial Day. Yes, happy Memorial Day. I actually meant to say something about that. 
off the top of the podcast. I tweeted it out this morning, but would like to encourage those who have not done so already on this Monday. If you haven't taken a moment to to just remember those who who paid the ultimate sacrifice uh, to to allow our freedom to have so much our country to have so much freedom and allow us to sit here on a podcast and talk about baseball and enjoy a, a day off, not in our business because there are no such things as, as days off, but uh, the, the typical nine to five, having that Monday off uh, just, just take a minute to remember those who, who paid the ultimate sacrifice uh, to, to give you that day off and allow you to, to sit back and enjoy a beverage and enjoy a cookout, something along those lines. And uh, would like to encourage you to remember the families that, that lost a loved one uh, as, as well. So Wes, thank you for mentioning that. Uh, and, and I do hope everybody enjoys their Memorial Day and Memorial Day weekend. He's Wes Rucker. I'm Ben McKee. This has been another edition of the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the GoVols247 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just 
try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.